2 Kings chapter 6, there's this really neat story. Sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Listen, if we're, gonna, if we're only going to work within, within the walls, it's going to be too small for us. Now, this is the young generation. Watch this. This is Elisha's students. They said, this place is too small for us. Please, let us go to the Jordan. That's the place of crossing over and, and place of death. And let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, y'all are too young and you don't know what you're talking about. We don't care what young people think. We know how to do this and we're going to do it. We're going to stay right where we are. You know, there, there, there's, how, many play, how many churches do you see now that are... That are uh, 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 social halls and bingo parlors and bars, restaurants, turning them into homes. It's too small. Please let us go. He said, let's go. If we need to change, let's change. Let's do what God is telling us to do, to reach everybody. It's not just generations, right? Everybody. Yellow, black, white, red, everybody. It's multicultural. We can't just be a, a West Virginia, Kentucky church, for instance. We got to reach people who live in Ohio, too. We made a decision that, that people uh, of color, people of any minority, can walk through those doors and somehow, somehow be feel, feel accepted and loved. And, can, and, and the only way to do that is they've got to feel the presence of the Lord because the only thing we have in common is Jesus. If we lose the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's the water. If the water level comes down, how many know it looks really bad after a flood? If, if the water level comes down, we're going to be at each other's throats because we have nothing in common. Oh, look around. You're either young or old or black or white or Latino or Asian. Religious backgrounds. Oh, my God. There's way too many ex-Catholics in this church. I, I know this blows your mind, but even within our church, there are people that believe different things. I mean, not, not the major doctrines, but how many know we all got a little different? And I'm actually okay with that. Just don't cross me. Don't you cross me. So I like this. One of the young people said, please consent to go with your servants. Uh, and Elisha says, I will go. When, when young people say we got to do things differently to reach my friends and family, we need to say, go. Go do it. Go reach them. Whatever you need, we'll support you. We'll stand by you. And you know what that young generation will do? They'll say, hey, why don't you come with us too? It means a lot to me. So he went with them and they came to the Jordan and they cut down trees. I got to hurry up. So y'all know what happened, right? They're chopping away and the axe head fell into the water. And one of the young people said, just like, just like the millennials, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. You know, they don't own anything. So Elisha said, well, where did it fall? You know, we want to let you young people go, but honestly, you need us. <laughs> well, where did it fall? Where did you last see it? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick, and he threw the stick in the water, and the iron floated. Come on, young people. Uh, listen, we respect you and love you, but you still need us. We know how to make iron float. He lost the axe head. What does that mean? That's the word of God. Because, listen, you can't just do any old thing. I know things have changed and society's changing, but it's the same message. It's the same word. Amen. I really haven't changed uh, the content of what I'm preaching. I may preach differently than I did 30 years ago, but I haven't changed the content of what I'm preaching. Amen. We still preach the word of God. It is not compromised. It is not old-fashioned. It is not old. 
It is not lifeless. The Word is the Word is the Word. The faith, same thing I'm preaching. Paul preached 2,000 years ago. So sometimes young people get all excited about doing something, but they lose the axe head. And we got to say, listen, here's how you get back. Let me give you some advice. Come on, church. Let me show you how to do this. Is that good? Is that okay? Praise God. Listen, here, here it is. David was willing to make the shift to Jerusalem. Notice the difference real quick. Real quick. You okay? You okay? Nobody's left yet. I'm okay. Notice the difference. Saul was anointed from a man-made vessel, but David was anointed from a horn. This, this, this church that now is 50% gone, not, not in all cases. I don't want to be judgmental, but... In many cases, they didn't come back because there really wasn't a whole lot to come back to. It's just entertainment. They were never discipled. Come on. They were blessed but never engaged. And why bother? Why bother? Let's just not come back to church anymore. Because some of those pastors, that, that they were went but they weren't sent. I don't know. I'm not their judge. But there are people being anointed from man-made vessels instead of the horn. Something died for David to be anointed. There's a price to be paid for the anointing of God. Listen, salvation's free, but if you're going to minister to the Lord, it's not going to be all roses. There's going to be a price. There's a price to the anointing of God. I'll say it later, but, but listen, Saul, Saul had seven days to become king. Yet he, he practiced seven days. It wasn't his fault, right? They anointed him, you're king. He, one day he's farming. One day he can't find his donkeys, and seven days later he's king. I could have said that differently. It would have been a lot funnier. Some people can't find their donkeys. But David... It took decades for David. There's a price to be paid. There's a price. Number, number two, the Bible says, for 1 Samuel 9.10, I won't read it, throw it up there. It says Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. In other words, a lot of churches are coming just because of the charismatic uh, personality of the pastor. Or he's just really good looking like yours. It, this is where you don't laugh. This is, you say things like, amen. You go, pastor. That's, that's the proper response. So, so, so it's, and that's why I hate this thing about, well, it's all about the pastor. No, it really isn't. Believe me, if the presence of God left our services, I can't and would not be able to keep you in this building. Because you're here for the glory. So keep that in your mind. So he's head and shoulders above everybody else. Remember what happened when they appointed David? He was the shortest. He was the youngest. He wasn't even there. <laughs> he's on the back, back 40. They had to go look for him. He was not head and shoulders. Now, number three, uh, 1 Samuel 13, 20. This is really cool. Uh, they, they were going to a battle, and he had a choice. Uh, so it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan. What? Isn't this weird? They're going to war, and only Saul and Jonathan have a spear or a sword. Is that crazy? The rest of them brought the pitchfork from the farm. That sounds crazy. But how many churches expect the pastor and a handful of staff to do all the work? 
Pastor has a sword. Let him. He's, he's supposed to win the law. He's supposed to bring in it. The pastor is supposed to visit me in the hospital. The pastor does that. The pastor does that. I am not the only one with a sword. I, I'm the type of pastor that wants everybody in this building to have a sword and a spear. That's an army. Stop being the person who just shows up with a pitchfork. I want to train you to be a soldier in the Lord's army. Can I get an amen? Oh, there's so much here. Number next. Saul ruled by intimidation and control. You can look at 1 Samuel 11, 6. I won't read it, but basically his thing was, you know, I'm going to I'm going to rule by people being afraid of me, and David did not do that. I, t- I told you before, it's not about control; it's about covering. God told Adam to name the animals. He didn't say tame the animals. Well, that's deeper than you're letting on. Sometimes we think, well, the pastor's job is to tame everybody. No, no, my, my job is not to change you into what I want you to change into. My job is to recognize who you are in God and name you. <laughs> we got people that are lions, and we're trying to make them sheep. It's time to name the congregation, not tame the congregation. Can I get an amen? Number five, when he couldn't control them, he feared them. And we know Saul, you know, that whole, that whole story, we don't have time to get into it, but that, that whole story when Samuel told him what to do, and he, and he feared the people. And it's at that point, at that point when he feared the people, he lost the kingdom. God took the kingdom from him when he feared the people. We cannot fear the people. I'm not here to make you happy. That's one of the things God's not going to ask me. Did you keep them all happy? (laughs) He's not going to ask me that, so why do I spend so much time on that? Maybe I'll just preach an hour. Ooh, now it's like... And, and, then, and then last thing, and I'll, I'll get to a conclusion, which is really long. Um, I already said this, that, that, that Saul had seven days to prepare, and David had decades. Listen, a church with no walls, a ministry without walls looks very different. It's more free-flowing. It's whatever God wants. Let me give you some quick examples. I, I know sometimes you say, you know, we used to have a ministry that did this. We used to have a ministry that did that. And you say, why don't we do that anymore? Because the person, listen, we don't, we don't just dream up a ministry and find someone and shove them in there. Most of the time somebody comes to us and says, God's given me a vision for then you then go do it. We'll resource you. We'll support you. We'll pray for you. We'll help you organize it, and and we'll we'll be there with you. But it's but, but and then and then if God lifts that burden or they move on to something else, I'm not going to go find someone and say, Hey, we got this ministry that doesn't have a leader now. Can I throw you in there? No. If if there's nobody with a burden for the ministry, we'll let that ministry go. 
That's a church without walls. Let me give you another example. A few years ago, we did this really weird altar call where I said, whoever has a ministry outside of this church, by outside I mean you're not in the structure of the church. You don't you don't directly answer to, to me or one of the staff, but we're, we're aware of your ministry, something you do, right? But it's not, you won't find it on our organizational chart. You understand what I'm saying? And the altar was literally full of people in this church that are doing a ministry that I don't have any, I don't have any control over, but they want to be under our cover. But I don't tell them how to do it. I'm not there to discipline them or fuss at them, or if they go wrong, they're on their own. <laughs> but this church is full of ministries that, that the rest of us don't even know about because they're not on any chart. You don't even know the ministries that are on the chart. Right? And I'm okay with that. Most churches would be, I mean, most pastors would be very intimidated by that. Oh, my God, there's that small group meeting over there, and I don't know what they're doing, and I... I'm going to let it go, let it go, let it go. Are you, are you, are you feeling me? Are you feeling me? It's a church without walls. It's, it's Numbers chapter 24, uh, verse 1. You remember Balaam when he was told to curse Israel? And so Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. How many know it pleases the Lord to bless Journey Life Center? He did, not, he did not go, as at other times, to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness. Balaam raised his eyes. And listen, he saw the church encamped according to their tribes. Not according to the walls, but according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. That's a picture of the church. It's not a city with walls. If we have walls, we limit God. But, Pastor, we have to have walls or the devil. Will... We got walls. They're called firewalls. And we send people to the north, south, east, and west. Well, you know, we, we draw people from what, what, five different counties. We're spread out all over the place. But wherever you go, you take a firewall with you. If it's just about what happens on Sunday morning, we can keep the four walls right here. We can keep the press out. We can keep the left-wing media out of here. But I'm here to tell you. You are. You carry the walls, the walls of fire. Amen. There's nothing I can do to save you, protect you, and, and surround you. You need the fire of God around you. And if we have the fire, then we have valleys that stretch out. We have gardens by the riverside. We have, we have, we have herbs that are planted by the Lord, cedars beside water. The church should be a garden, not a city with walls. I got a question for you. What is the shape of water? What is the shape? Does water have a shape? It does if you contain it. This water is shaped like this. But I could pour it in a cup. I could pour it on your head. I feel like pouring it on mine. 
when water has no container, it goes where it goes. Ever have a leaky roof? It finds cracks you never knew existed. We've, we've had some leaks. I think we've got them mostly fixed now. We've had some, some leaks, and you can always tell because, you know, the, you get a little tile turning black. Oh, we've got a leak somewhere. That, 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 when, when water doesn't have a container, it just goes where it goes. We've got to stop putting God in a container and let him go where it goes because he'll find cracks we didn't know existed. He'll start using people that we never knew could be used. He'll start blessing people. He'll get people saved we didn't even know they could be saved. He'll, he'll save that awful uncle of yours. The last person you thought could get saved in your family gets saved because water goes where water goes. It's like the wind of the Spirit. It blows where it blows. It's time, church, hallelujah, that we take down the walls of constraint and let the Holy Ghost move. Pastor, what do you see for the future? I see a church without walls. Because if you have walls, water is then defined by its character. And I don't want God defined by Journey Life Center. I want Journey Life Center defined by God. Jesus. Living water cannot be bottled up. Isn't it odd that the early church, 120 people, say people, 120 people, they were the only people saved in the whole world. 120 people turned the world upside down. And there are cities now with 120 churches, and they can't make a dent. That's because they're sitting in their four walls, and they're not letting the water seep out. It isn't easy canoeing in the mountains. <laughs> it's time to change. But... Did you notice that when Israel left Egypt, they left at midnight? They left in the dark. They couldn't see where they were going. Say, Pastor, what are we going to do? I don't know. I, I, I don't have a clear plan. I know that's what you want me to tell you. But it's midnight. All I know is we're getting out of here. It's time to go. It's time to get moving. You know, you know, the thing about when you read, I read the book on, one of the, I read a book on Lewis and Clark, and one of the things, it kept, you know, it kept having problem after problem after problem. But you keep reading this phrase in the book, but they kept, but, but Lewis kept on going. But he kept on going. But he kept on going. They, that, that phrase keeps repeating over and over in the book. No matter what happens, we just keep going. Don't always, listen, he didn't have a map to, he just kept going. It's time to just keep going. To where God, we'll find the Pacific eventually. So our, so, so, well, okay, that's the strategy. What, what is our tactics? Will you give me five minutes? I'll give you the tactics. Ready, ready. Acts chapter two, verse forty-one. This is this is the way journey is going to look. This is it. Ready. Those who gladly received His word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders. How many want wonders and signs? Now all who believed were and had all things 
Are you getting a picture? You're getting a picture? And sold their possessions. We're not going to do that. And divided them all as anyone had need. But the principle is the same. Nobody should go without in this church. So, so continuing daily, not Sunday morning, with in the and from small groups, they ate their food together with gladness and simplicity of heart. One more verse. Praising God. How many believe in it? And having favor with all the people. We're not here to aggravate the world. We're here to love them. If there's a gay parade, we're, we're, we, we're not going to show up with signs saying, we hate you. We'll probably show up with water bottles and not spray. <laughs> we'll show up with, a, with something to give them and just love on them. Oh, handle it. And the Lord, who added? The Lord added to the church daily those who were. So here it is real quick. Here's my seven-point plan. Five minutes. Ready? Number one, our church is going to be about passionate spiritual worship with signs and wonders. I'm committed. Are you committed? Don't, don't you dare come in here and say, well, what has he got today? You, you need to come in here, right, expecting. Number two, we believe in intercessory prayer. We believe prayer makes the difference. Number three, we believe in the word of God. Somebody already talked about that. It's the word or shut up. If I start preaching the newspaper, someone needs to say, you're too old, get out of here. Number four, we've got to love the city. He said, love Jesus. Jesus died because he loved, he so loved the world that he gave him. If he died for those sinners, can't we at least be friendly? Love the city. And we have plans. We're expanding food bank. We're going to yeah, acts of kindness. We're going to get out there. Number number five, we need to disciple and pastor the people God gives us. We want to disciple you, not just pastor you. We're going to pastor you in the hopes that you'll be discipled. And being discipled means that you're now also loving other people. Discipled means you've discovered your calling and your gifts, and you're doing what God's called you to do. Discipling is not just living by a bunch of rules. It's being a child of God. Ah, that's a whole. Number six, small groups. I, I just don't believe everything you need is here on Sunday morning. You need to get together with people that share something that you, I always say just find something you love and do it with someone else. And that's, well, there are limits to that. <laughs> Find something you can sanctify that you love and do it with someone else. <clears throat> it might be prayer. It might be Bible study. It might be softball. It, it might be quilting. It might be what, what, just, get, just be together.
breaking bread from... Listen, if you want a small group that meets once a month just to eat pizza, hallelujah, do it. I'm serious. You don't need my permission. Just do it. Behave yourselves. But how many believe there should be no gossip in these small groups? It's not about talking about the rest of them that didn't come. Jesus. And finally, number seven, we need a, a, a renewed commitment to connect people to the family. Every time someone new comes through the door, we, we, we break hands and join their hands, and the circle just gets a little bigger. We just, we just bring them in. So many of you testified how you, how you felt accepted. Listen, we don't, we don't have this kind of weird standard where, well, when you start acting like this, then we'll start. No, no. No, no, no. Listen, listen, you, you, you can, listen, gay people are welcome in our church. Sinners are welcome in our church. Uh, prostitutes are welcome in our church. Uh, listen, a sin is a sin is a sin. Doesn't matter what your sin is. You are welcome in this church. No one's going to corral you and beat you over the head with the Bible. If the love of God can't save you, I am not going to scare you into salvation. Because sooner or later, you're not scared anymore. So, so, but if you know the love of God, I think the love of God will keep you. Uh, am I? I mean, that's just the way we've done it for 40 years. And if you didn't like it, I guess you wouldn't be here. But, but it, 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 listen, the world is trying to paint us as ugly, biased, narrow-minded people. And they're just waiting for us to die. They're coming up with new terms. and I, oh, I forget some of them, but they're coming up with new terms. How that we're, Basically, they're saying that church people are uncooperative in society. We don't cooperate. Well, I'm not going to cooperate by, with sin. But I love you. And if you need us, we'll be there. No matter how you live, if you need us, we'll be there. I don't care how much money you put in, put in the church. If you need us, we're going to be there. Anybody getting me? Anybody getting me? How long have I been preaching? I forgot to turn my thing on. I forgot a little bit. Watch this now. Get up here real quick. <laughs> Hurry up. These people want to go home. It's y'all's fault. <laughs> That'll be me preaching at 80. Remember Tim Conway? Remember? I'll have to preach down there because I can't get up the steps. <laughs> Watch this. What shifted from the kingdom to Saul to the kingdom that David was over? And remember, David had a heart after God. You know what? Shift, you know when it finally shifted? It was the women. It was the women who started singing a song. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. See, Saul is insecure. It's surprising how many pastors are very insecure. And Saul is threatened, and Saul's got to control everything. We can't have an assistant pastor like that. It was a song 
that shifted everything. Come on, come on, stand your feet. How many know there's worship? Worship will shift everything. Listen, we need a song that shifts us. We need a song that moves us. We need a song that takes us to a new place. We need a song that takes us to the portal of glory. (laughs) We need the presence of God if we're going to shift to Jerusalem. The first thing David did was, we've got to get the ark back. If I'm going to be king, we're going to have presence. If I'm going to stay here and be your pastor, we must have the presence of the Holy Ghost in our service, in our ministries, wherever we go, whatever we do, wherever we send you. And if we don't have that, we have nothing but a program. And God said, walls of fire, protect us. Jesus did you know Jesus didn't say come Jesus said go go I'd have preached that every Sunday till you get it go you could do more at work than I can do preaching here on Sunday I'm not there the Holy Spirit in you, that fire in you, take that to work. Take that to school. Take that to the marketplace. I, I know it's late, but if you want, still want to do communion, they're, they're coming. And all I want to do today is just take, take maybe three minutes and just get still. And you just need to say, God, what about me? How do I fit in this vision that pastors laid out? How do I fit in these seven things? How, if, if, if we could put that back up there, those seven things, how, how, do, I, how do I fit? How does, God, you sent me here, right? You, yeah, you sent me here, so I must have a purpose here. So let's come. Let's. Let's have communion together. They broke bread from house to house. That's communion. If you need prayer, I'll pray with you. But let's just, let's just take a minute. You know what I want you to do after I preach? Every time I preach, I just want you to apply. What does this mean to me today? I don't know how many times people say, Pastor, you, you got in my business you were preaching right at me. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't lay up last night about 3 a.m. and say, I'm going to get so-and-so tomorrow. That's one of my rules. I never preach to individual situations. Never. If I hit something, it's because it's just in the message, and if, it's for, if the shoe fits, wear it. But I didn't go looking for your shoe size. How does this message apply to me? Can we sing this? Let's what's worth. Please be careful going out, don't congregate. But let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship.